Welcome to the Book Evangelist Podcast, here to spread the good news that books and reading will save us all. Lissa and Marianne will be talking about what's up in their reading and writing lives, reviewing recent reads, urging each other on to writing triumph, and generally wallowing in the pleasure of hanging out with a friend who loves books. Join us. Wallow with us. This is episode 22, in which we will be discussing the Expanse series by James S.A. Corey. And... N.K. Jemison's Masterclass. Hello, Lissa. Good morning, Marianne. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, pretty good, I guess, yes. It's a, been an interesting morning for me already, full of chaos and so forth, so I'm happy to be with you. Discussing Those are good mornings like sometimes. non-chaotic, finished, structured things. Yes. So, but uh, speaking of chaos. Yes. Um, are we supposed to be... Uh, Discussing the Expanse series by James S.A. Corey and N.K. Jemison's Masterclass on Fantasy and Science Fiction Writing? Um, there is a timeline in which we are supposed to be <laughs> discussing that. Um, and maybe we accidentally jumped to that timeline. We jumped to that timeline. Okay, that's good. Because we told people we were going to be doing uh, A Wizard of Earthsea and um, the, the Book, Book of Three. Of three. Yeah, Sorry. we're good for that. Yeah, we are listeners. good for that. How's it going on reading those for you, Lisa? Um, I um, I listened to the book of three, but kind of fast, and I went to revisit it. And I'm still halfway through the Wizard of Earthsea, which is how I've always been halfway through the Wizard of Earthsea. But I still I, like it. I like it too, and and I've been listening to it, and I think I'm going to switch to reading it in paper so I can hear the voices the way I want them yes. Um, instead of the way the book narrator wants them. Um, yeah. Yes. I think I'm having a similar experience. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Uh, so I think that's going to work better for me. And I don't think I've ever heard an audiobook of the book of three. I've only ever read it in paper. So I will uh, maybe try the audiobook to see just what it's like. You know, it was nice how different it is. Um, it can probably pronounce all those Welsh names better on the audiobook. Yeah. But you all know right. what audiobook I've listened to a lot lately? What's that? The Expanse series. Ta-da! So I always have a huge pile of books that I swear I am reading. Um, some in physical form and some in ebook form because Libby is my nemesis. Because I want to have all the books and I'll just check out books till it won't let me have anymore, you know? Yes. But. As it happens, the first book in the Expanse series is Leviathan Awakes, and I had it as an ebook. And then, out of the blue, people that we know, and including you, recommended it. And I thought, oh wow, I already have this book. I'll just read it. And it it just um, caused me to neglect my duties to the books I was supposed to be reading. So we decided, you know what? Let's just jump in with both feet here and read that book. I said, listen, let's just do that. You said, you want to pod, you know, cast three days from now? I'm like, yes, let's do that. And then I discovered the book was 600 pages long. Surprise. Surprise. <laughs> so I'm not done with it yet, but I'm more than halfway. So clearly I'm making good progress. And meanwhile, you won a prize, didn't you? I from- did. From donating to National Novel Writing Month, I won a year-long subscription to Masterclass, which I have been dabbling in. And so you suggested that we also talk about uh, N.K. Jemison's Masterclass, um, in which uh, N.K. Jemison teaches fantasy and science fiction writing. Um, so I'm about halfway through um, that. And I've invented a new way to do Masterclasses that is working much better for me. Really? Well, you'll have to tell me all about that when we get to that part. I will. It is a brand new masterclass. Um, this one it just came out within the last month, I think. So that'll be timely and so forth. So, whoo! I know. Yeah. What else have you been reading? Anything else? Um, I mean, so much of the Expanse series on audiobook, honestly. But um, 
I zipped through some like contemporary romance novels and I zipped through, um, I've been reading the um, manga graphic novel series Delicious in Dungeon with Ooh. my child. Um, they're pretty fun. Uh, they're about adventurers who go into a dungeon and in the dungeon, it plays much like an RPG magic world system in which um, within the dungeon, people can be resurrected by magic, but outside of the dungeon, obviously, no. Um, so that part's fun. But the people are struggling because it's so hard to travel deeply into the dungeon because you can't carry enough food. And so this group of adventures that the story follows starts cooking the monsters they find <gasps> along the way. Do they all taste like chicken? Uh, I mean, they talk about how it tastes, but and they they sort of adopt somebody along the way who knows how to cook monsters better and cook well. So it's like a combo awesome. cooking reality show and dungeon crawl, and it's lovely. Oh, my children would love that. Yeah, uh, weirdly, it's really good. I've kind of been mirroring you. Um, obviously, I've been reading The Expanse pretty heavy for about three days, four days. Um, I have been zipping through lots of cozy mysteries, Ooh. particularly the Hannah Swenson books with my a daughter who likes to listen to audiobooks with me as part of her relaxation, get ready for the, the night thing. Yeah. And we started the first one randomly. Um, at, they're all food-based mysteries. Uh, and we have, I think we're on a fourth or fifth one now. Uh, and we yell at the audiobook a lot. Um <laughs> You know, I was like, don't do that. What are you thinking? Clearly, they're going to murder you if you go there. Um, so we're doing that. And I have been reading some graphic novels, which <gasps> is not something I read a lot of, but I yeah. am interested in them. So I follow an artist on Patreon called uh, Bybun. Roxanne Coble is her name. Okay. And she's been a fascinating artist for me forever. And I watched her vlogs on YouTube. And eventually, she started a Patreon, and I belong to her Patreon. And it's really awesome. And she has a comic book club that she has started where she reads comic books and then she does art inspired by them, looking Excellent. at the colors and the techniques that are in them and things like that. So I've been um, reading those, but she likes really scary stuff. So I'm worried <laughs> that the next one is going to be like, which is Beautiful Darkness is the next one. And I'm worried that it's going to be too scary for me. Um, but they read Night Lights. And before that... Oh, is it called to Into the Woods? I think it's called. It's a series of short stories that are kind of horror short stories, but they were not too scary. But it made me, and Nightlights was really interesting to me. Um, so it's, it's been interesting to read those kind of graphic novels, but uh, your manga series sounds awesome. And I will it definitely really have to. It really is fun. You'll have to send message me that name again, and I'll go and get them all. I will. Board Delicious them, them. in Dungeon. Yes. Delicious in Dungeon. Okay. That sounds awesome. Very good. Whew. Whew. What Sorry. have you been writing? Uh, not a whole lot. I am editing. Yes. And I have this specific process for editing, like specific steps that I go through. And so that I don't have to remember it, I wrote it all down. On this Very sacred, smart. On a sacred note card. Yes. Which was pinned up above my desk. It says like, First, we go through and we do, like, every time there's a to-be verb, I circle them all on every page uh, and then make them earn their way in. And all the that's, I'm crazy about writing that in rough drafts, and they all have to earn their way onto the page or get deleted. And uh, one stage is I go through and I look at every um, detail description and make sure they're concrete things instead of things that, like, I tried to say that somebody is like strong, for example, because strong might mean something different to you than it does to me or brave or beautiful or whatever, because that can vary. And I just might try to bring in more concrete details and make sure to have passive voice, blah, 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 blah. That's this a great list. note card. Yes, it was. Um, was. That's the wrong. You should edit that <laughs> verb. Yeah. It's the wrong. So, sense. yeah. So my daughter was doing a presentation and she needed a bit on revision so I brought my note card down so we could discuss revision process and she could prepare her presentation. And then it got lost. I've never seen it again. Oh, no. So I thought, it's okay. I have the original 22,000-word set of class notes of every class I've ever taken on writing. And one of them was this editing class that I built my note card from. 
I'll just go remake it, except that has been deleted off my computer by cat butt. Oh, so, no. so I am reconstituting, like trying to remember all my particular steps and what they go in for editing so that I can feel comfortable and make sure I'm doing all the things that I need to do. So I'm at, I'm slow, but I'm trying. Yeah. It's okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all right. It's okay. <laughs> no, I'm fine. I'm fine. So yeah, so working on it, uh, and uh, it helps because you know I have all the I print out things and I do this all by hand, like everything I'm going to do. Right. So I can look at old pages and see all the things that I did, and then I can help reconstitute them. So it'll be it'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It's fine. It's fine. Oh. It's fine. Oh. Yeah. Oh. You writing um, anything? So? Uh, I um, here's a funny creative nonfiction piece I wrote called "My Annual Self Evaluation at Work," <laughs> um, and I'm toying with the idea of doing Camp NaNoWriMo in July. And by toying, I mean I kind of already started. Oh, good for you! Because I decided that the secret for me for camp is to not wait till that first day. It's yeah. just to like start a new project and use this as a reason to start a new project. So in camp. This year, they've been um, promoting this idea that you could write a memoir. Yeah. So I'm just trying that a little bit, Good but most, you. most, I don't. It's okay. I don't. I don't know whether I'm going to do camp or not. You know, I always, I always say yes. Right. And I'm prone to saying yes. I am actually traveling for some of July, uh, and I'm going to go see my mom. <gasps> Hooray. And I have not seen her in, of course, a long time due to um, things, things uh, in the world. But so I'm going to be missing for, you know, 10 days. And then I wonder, like, would I get anything done? And I have toyed with this whole memoir thing. Right. And like, was I checked out for most of my entire life? Because I don't, I mean, I'm like, do I even remember anything? I remember strange things. Um, little moments here and there, but man... The whole decades are fuzzy for me, so. I mean, I think that could make a memoir right there. It could be called Strange Things. It could be called Little Moments. Yeah, stuff I forgot. It could be called Fuzzy Little Moments. I mean, <laughs> see, these are compelling things we would read. Compelling things. Okay, well, there you go. I think you're setting the bar a little low there. But what is not fuzzy, what is absolutely crystal clear and full of details yes. is Leviathan Wakes. <gasps> so true. Uh, and we have this big Goodreads right up here. Do you want to do that? Or would you sure. like me to? I can. Okay. Leviathan Wakes. Humanity has colonized the solar system, Mars, the moon, the asteroid belt, and beyond. But the stars are still out of our reach. Jim Holden is XO of an ice miner, making runs from the rings of Saturn to the mining stations of the belt. When he and his crew stumble upon a derelict ship, the Scopuli. They find themselves in possession of a secret they never wanted, a secret that someone is willing to kill for, and kill on a scale unfathomable to Jim and his crew. War is brewing in the system unless he can find out who left the ship and why. Detective Miller is looking for a girl, one girl in a system of billions, but her parents have money and money talks. When the trail leads him to the Scopuli, and rebel sympathizer Holden, he realizes that this girl may be the key to everything. Holden and Miller must thread the needle between the Earth government, the outer planet revolutionaries, and secretive corporations, and the odds are against them. But out in the belt, the rules are different, and one small ship can change the fate of the universe. Dun-dun-dun! Dun-dun-dun! Right. So, there are... How many books in this series of which this is number one? I don't know a lot. Like eight or something? And then these novellas? Uh-huh. There's novellas in between. I'm currently on book four, Sibylla Byrne. Excellent. And I've only done one of the novellas, which but is it's, good. But it's nice to know that it's there. Right. Like, if you start a series and you're reading them as they come out, right? you, you, there's you no... can suffer... For right. years, like if you're a J.R.R. Martin fan, which I've never read any of those books, but those right. people are suffering because it's been like 10 years they've been waiting for another book, uh, which is not appearing yet. So it's nice that it's there, and they are writing some more of them, I guess. So I learned that James S.A. Corey is a pen name, 
and it's a pen name for Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. And Ty Frank originally developed the whole world of The Expanse as a uh, multiplayer online RPG, right? And then as a tabletop RPG, and then Abraham suggested that they turn it into a novel series because of its extensive world building. He said the world building is just so phenomenal and complete, then you can just set stories in it and know how things are going to work. And they, one of them writes some characters and the other one writes others. Like one of them writes Miller and one of them writes Holden. That's amazing. Isn't I didn't it? really know any of that. I knew that it was a pen name and that's yeah. all I knew. Well, I looked it up because I'm a nosy Parker, as you know. That's awesome. Um, and I was trying not to get like... Um, what happens next right. but learn more about like the thing um so i am like i said i'm a little over halfway through book one and uh they i'm trying to think how to do this without ruining it for the world they if you're only halfway through book one, book one that's still not really i mean it's spoilers but it's not yeah, really spoilers, but not big spoilers, not big spoilers set spoilers. up so we can discuss that yes it's yeah like um so they're they're just have all the characters have converged finally after being in separate places, right? So right. now they're they're converged and they have found this uh, sneaky Pete um, ship full of super secret information that's going to be used to take over the world, and they blew that ship up. Um, and took the information. So that's kind of where I am currently. And I'm... I, the book is total action all the time. So many things have happened. Right. In these 300 pages. I'm like, it's just a thrill a minute stuff. You can see why it would make excellent television. Yeah. Uh, and it is, in a way, very episodic. One thing that I'm, I'm curious about as somebody who's read more of them. Yes. Is that the, the episodes aren't necessarily all the same length. Like, there is some early... Um, okay, like, Holden's ship that he's on originally, right at the beginning, the ice hauler, gets blown up. And that whole sequence doesn't take a ton of pages. But later on, where I've just passed, Holden and his remaining crew and Miller, the detective, are all on the... Uh, Eros uh, station. Right. And it's casino and there's bad, bad, bad things happen there. And that goes on forever. Like, I swear a hundred pages. Right. It's them on Eros and trying to get off of Eros. Right. So there's not, so some episodes are super long and some are much shorter. And is that typical or do they even out more or pacing wise? I feel like, I feel like they don't make anything happen that doesn't need to. And so some things happen in shorter bits. And also throughout the series, they continue to um, show things from different perspectives, show how in the world different things are happening in different places. Um, that was world used as world of the book, not actual one world, right? Because this is mm -hmm. happens on more than one world, um, meaning planet um, or not planet. Um, they continue to have, to have some shorter and some longer. I feel like I haven't thought about it fully because also I'm doing the audiobook, so it's not quite as like, these are pages. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think it continues to be some shorter and some longer because they show some things like really cool storytelling, like up to a certain, certain moment where someone says something and then you get a view of somebody else and what they were doing until that moment when they said that thing. Mm -hmm. And you see how it's all fitting together and how the communication across a crisis, what's happening in all the places as two different parts of a crisis communicate. I think it's been a while since I have read a book that has multiple viewpoints. Yeah. Uh, and I do think this one is done really well, as with all science fiction books. It took a little while for me to spool up to get good with the terminology and the concepts and who was who to, you know, to learn the real difference between Holden and Miller or whatever. Right. I remember who was who, but I, I'm comfortable now. Um, 
So, so my first thoughts on it are really terrific. Obviously, world building moves right along. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it's it's I'm having a good time with it, and I have guesses or questions as to what might happen or things that I wish would happen. Um, who I think the bad guy is, and stuff like that. And um, so that's good if I'm if I'm wondering about things like that. Excellent. So I think it will be rewarding for you. Oh, goody. Maybe not what you expected, but rewarding. Good. Not a you know, cheat. I, I don't, I don't, I'm sure I'm not going to get what I really, really want, which is that in book one. Yes. Tycho Corporation is building a generation ship for the Mormons. Um, so that they can all load on and spend a hundred years getting to a new planet. Yes. And I love this, uh, so, so much. So my theories are that either a, this, they mentioned the ship in passing at the beginning and then they went to Tycho station and they've spent some time telling us that the ship is nearly finished. Yeah. Like the engines are on and they're just just about to polish this sucker off because they're going to have this big big ship it's like kilometers long and wide you know, yeah built to go 100 years so one of two things is going to happen either a holden and crew are that the, the, the solar system really is going to blow itself up and holden and crew and people renegades are going to have to jump on a ship and head off into the stars or b something is going to happen that makes that ship totally and completely obsolete so those are my guesses. But I don't think the Mormons are getting their ship and going off into the stars for 100 years. Um, yeah. You know how there's a whole alphabet of letters after A and B? Yeah. That's all I <laughs> want to say there. <laughs> so option C and or D or J is the correct option. They're actually all of, all of C through Z happen is what I want to say. That's I feel like that's a spoiler-free way B, to though? tell you. Do A and A and B are also letters of the alphabet, Lisa? So, but it looks like you can't just throw a giant generation ship in there and then not have it matter to the plot at all. Agreed, okay. fully okay. agreed. Okay, and don't good. worry, it's good how obsessed you are with this ship. Okay, that's good. That's good. I'm pleased with that because we said, like you said, they put in there what needs to be put in there. Right. And it would be fair to make that ship a character. The first, ah, I like it. The first time they mentioned it, I was like, it's a throwaway joke. But then. Right, because it's called the Nauvoo, right? Is it Isn't called it? The, yeah, I think it's I think so. Well, I just remember because it, it comes up. But then also, like, we once went on vacation as children to Nauvoo, Illinois, to see the, like, the Mormon colony there that you can visit. There's a Mormon colony there you can visit? I mean, there there was thirty years ago, oh, or well, a little more. Well, you know, I and we got here. a brick from it, and so we had oh. this like brick from the from Nauvoo, Illinois. Interesting. Well, I live, you know, just up the road here from the Garden of Eden. Um, or did you not know that? I did not know that. Oh, well, I live a relatively near to Independence, Missouri, and Independence, Missouri was the first Garden of Eden for the Mormon Church. They were they came first to to Independence. Um. And that was going to be the Garden of Eden. They were going to settle there. And, of course, they got run out of town on a rail, like happened to them here and there on their journey right. across America. Uh, and they upped sticks and moved to uh, Utah. But this was the first place that's supposed to be the Garden of Eden for the Mormon church. Um, so, uh, yeah. So they're kind of interesting to me. But I, this, this big ship, you know, shows up and they discuss it. Like at length, how Tycho is looking for a new engineering project because they're just about finished with this enormous ship they've been making for a long time, and the the troubles that you have with um, uh, water recycling and 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 uh, atmosphere leakage and stuff like that over a hundred years. So yeah, so I that's super like interesting. World... It's got to show back up. Yeah, I feel like the world building is is sciency enough that I feel like they did their work and I can just believe it. Yeah. But also feels still 
a little hand wavy in a way that I totally appreciate of like, <laughs> and then I dropped that in the recycler. The yep. end. The and end. it was fine. That's how the system works. It is. It is interesting. Um, because like I, I clearly love science fiction and I've been enjoying the heck out of reading it, but I worry about writing it like a lot. Yeah. Um, because I worry about the sciencey part of it. And, you know, first on one end of it, we have the Martian, which has like math that checks out. Right. And the new book from the person who wrote the Martian, which yeah. is amazing. Which is amazing. I have it over here to read on my giant teetering pile of TBR. Project Hail Mary. So good. Yeah. Um, and on the other hand, we have like a John Carter on Mars, right? Um, which does not check out. <laughs> which does not check out. So somewhere in the middle. And... Yeah, and here you can throw things in a recycler. And in Murderbot, you can throw things in a recycler. Um, Murderbot, I think, goes a little further sometimes. It's like Murderbot does not need to eat, but is masquerading as a human. So it um, takes the food and flushes it, you know, so that the, right. so that everything will bounce, come out record-wise, and no one will, you know, the stats won't be too off. And no one will notice that Murderbot is not actually eating anything. Right. Um yeah, it has some, some good science and also hand-wavy science um, in terms of like the, these gigantic domes that we've built on Mars with whole cities. And um, how do you spin up an asteroid? They just, you know, drilled down and put things in there and spun them up. But how do you keep them spinning? And, and uh, how do you spin them to begin with to give them some gravitational pull if you're turning an asteroid into a space station? None of the math is explained. Uh, but the concepts are. And sometimes later they do even more with things going wrong and having to fix them. And and I feel like some of it is explained like, luckily we hired smart people. Yeah. And then the and geniuses, like, well, they did their a, thing. That was they a smart. It. Well, or like our <laughs> characters are smart and they're good at troubleshooting and this is what they worked out because boy, we have smart people. And But it's done in a way where you just like root for them. Sure. Like, if solving and, this impossible thing is on the shoulders of your main characters, well, by golly, as the reader, I and, want them to win. You bet. And it doesn't bother me either because something that can distress me in book reading is if it's too bound down in the math. Um, the same as, like, um, history novels, historical novels. Mm -hmm. I do not need to know the weight of every bullet came out of your gun or um, exactly where the whale boning for your corset came from. Um, it's enough for me to know you, you shot somebody and you have a corset. Um, you know, although I'm always down for descriptions of clothing, I gotta say, but, uh, but that's enough for me. And it's just, this is plenty enough for me. And there's a lot going on here in terms of the map and different kinds of people and how they're living and how commerce affects things. Yes. Like how Eros had one sort of economy and then Ceres station came online and the docking fee differences and why, why they have different docking fees. Yeah. It's all secretly, not very secretly about politics. It is about politics. Economics. And yeah. And capitalism and capitalism and, and what people will do for money. Um, and how people survive out there and and people's values people's values and how this concept i love the the discussions about um there's a lot of of feelings between the earthlings and the martians and the belters who live yeah. out on the belt and like it's a total surprise to miller who is born in on sirius station to hear that the earthlings i guess and the, the earth lunar Hamba and Mars don't like each other and don't trust each other because to Miller, they're all inner, inner system people, right? They're both, and they're all me. against the belters, right? But to Holden, who's from earth originally and has been around, he knows that earth people and Mars people don't trust each other or get along. They're not a monolithic power versus the belt and nobody really trusts anybody else. Um, and I like that the crew of his ship has, you know, two people from earth, a Martian Navy guy, a Belter, and somebody else. Anyway, they're from around. You right. get people from from in inner planets, outer planets, people who grew up on Earth, people who grew up in space. You know, so you get a wide variety of people there with their different 
uh, viewpoints and how they relate to each other. Um, and that's super interesting. And this, this, this myth that the, that the belters have, that they could break free and be their own thing, when in fact they're not going to survive in space without planets to rely on. Knowing yeah. now in talking to you that this was an RPG makes the races and the really well thought out world building around the races and their uniqueness from mm-hmm. apart from each other makes so much more not make sense. It's so much more amazing. Because you can, I can see more clearly how even throughout the series, that differentiation between the different groups, truly well developing how they're different from each other in their core guts. Yeah. Total worldview differences. Well done. Yeah. Really well done. Yeah. And, it, and I love it because they're, it's not, when I say, you know, Martians, it's not like little green people from Mars. They're just right. us there and how that environmental difference in upbringing and the experiences that you have makes your mindset fundamentally different than other people's fundamental mindset. Um, as well as there's physical changes in people like the belters who are tall and thin due to their right. gravitational Or whether issues. the Martians have ever actually seen big spaces. Or if they've yeah. always lived underground, like just yeah, I mean, like things. you know, in Mars, you can see a, a sky, but it's not as if it were a real sky, but it like isn't, or it's a weird, you know, the the expanse of the stars. Only people from Earth have ever seen the sky, right? Uh, even though it's a dirty sky, they've seen it. Yeah, um, this whole it, series is so good. I mean, she says from book four, but <laughs> but I've well, heard clearly it's good. Right? Like, as soon as I posted a a quote from it on my social media, uh, somebody that I grew up with in, like, high school was, like, there to be, like, ooh, are you reading The Expanse? I can't wait for book nine. (laughs) Like, (laughs) and I was, like, oh, yeah, I am. Okay, this is good. Because, like, we, you know, like, that's my friend Mike. Hi, Mike. Um, Mike. Like, we've always read the same stuff um, in this kind of sci-fi fantasy world. And so like, if Mike likes this, I feel good about it. And the person who recommended it to me was Amber from, uh, my library book club. And she said, well, you know, you like John Scalzi, so I think you should try this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she said book one was kind of hard to get through. And then it picks up after that. And I would say that that's true. I, I guess so. Um, I said that I almost, when I first started, I was like, oh, this is really good. But there was a moment when I almost put it down early on when Detective Miller, and it's right off the bat, is um, interviewing a witness to a crime. And he and she are speaking in the patois of the working class belters. Right. And it's this combination of English, German, French, Spanish, Russian, blah, 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 blah. Right. And different words that have come down and the cadence is different. Uh, And I thought, I'm not going to survive this. But his partner, Havelock, is an earther who doesn't understand it very well. So they have a discussion of what it all means. And you kind of then when little phrases of it show up here and there later, you're prepared for it. So it was okay. But I, I really worried that, that the difference was going to be so great that it was going to be heavy lifting. And if it's heavy lifting, I'm like, I'm out because I'm not here for anything other than party time. Belter Uh, Patois sounds so good on the audiobook, though. Is it really? Yeah. Like it's all in this like additional, in addition to everything you described it as it's in this like accented, like, yeah, I don't even like, Mm, like I don't know some sort of combination of like Jamaican Bronx Chinese that's, that's how I hear it in my head right. that's interesting and the Martians have this affected uh wild west twang which I yeah. think is fascinating uh as the kind of you can see them thinking here I'm going to Mars and it's like the wild west and developing this kind of drawl um to kind of signify I'm an explorer in unknown worlds you know yeah um yeah so i think that's really cool and that's i'm glad it sounds like that on the audiobook because that's just what it sounds like in my head you're doing it professionally narrated in your head i am you're amazing i'm so awesome at this i'm 
you're so awesome, sis. Excellent. Um, but I, so, I'm glad you like the action because there's just more action. That's good. So like I said, it's, it's going right along. And the reason I think it has been less hard to get through is that there's a lot of mystery in it. This weird, weird thing happens in like the first chapter, which I would almost call a prologue. Yeah. And you're like, what in the heck is that? I want to get to find that. And it's creepy gross. And yeah. um, you want to learn more about that. So there's a lot of mystery to it, drawing towards something. And here at the past halfway point of book one, it's all coming together. Um, Good. Um, bleeps and fans are coming closer to each other. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. We're getting, so we're getting there. Um, so as somebody who has been reading these books, Alyssa, Yes. Then you turned on N.K. Jemison's Masterclass. Yeah. And uh, tell me your first thoughts on that. Um, well, I would listen to N.K. Jemison talk about things all day, every day, because she's very, very smart and very, very approachable. And so... And so she, the, like her perspective in speaking is like, here's what I tried, but that didn't totally work. And so then I did this and um, here's why this is important. And if you want to be a real writer, you're going to need to do these things, um, you know, plan for this. Don't just wing it. And um, I just heard that's a really, really oversimplification of everything she said. Right. But like her, her style in speaking isn't like I won the Hugo a bajillion times. It's like I wanted to do a thing and it was important to me. And so, um, and I liked that approachability. Um, she doesn't seem to totally worry about making everybody happy in her um, style. Like at one point I was like, oh, I think she just um, like kind of said she doesn't like D&D. &D. What? And I replayed it. And I was like, no, she said she doesn't like the simplistic way of doing like dice rolling and magic and you're magically healed in D&D because &D she knows the world's more complex. I'm OK with that. Right. right. Like so. But like every sentence was a little bit like that. Like, oh, did she just say something that makes me upset? No, she said something that makes me think harder. Those are different. She That's is, where I'm at. Yeah, she is very um, approachable and. I think that she's into demystifying this stuff. I mean, yes. in terms of like her bit on like a macro world building, how to like physically build a planet. She just breaks it down into steps. And as you th think about this and think about that at this point in time, like depending on where the equator is, is means tells you where the, and what the axis of the planet is, tells you how the winds blow on it. And if you draw an X on this map, where it is in relation to the equator and where it is in relation to the sun and where it is in terms of uh, continental plates and the near, you know, nearby water and what the te average temperature is going to be and how the wind goes determines stuff about your culture. So it's an integrated approach, which I really liked. And it's interesting, the magic systems. Yes. I, you know, the book I'm revising once I reconstitute my editing notes here. Yes. Um, has a big magic system in it. And I had already learned that uh, hand waving and the magic works just is not okay. There, and there are lots of books that I love that are like that. Lord of the Rings is just like that. Gandalf just does whatever Gandalf wants to do. And there's no rules um, about that. And it seems like Harry Potter's that way too. There's no, no um, rules about anything as far as I can tell, other than, you can't bring people back to life, but then it does that too, really. Um, but better magic systems have rules so that you as the reader, you know what's possible and you know what's not. And you cannot just have a hand wave, you make it all better, which is cheating. Um, and I had watched Brandon Sanderson's um, class that's on YouTube that he taught at BYU. You can watch this whole class, every okay. lecture he taught. I mean, it's, it's like... 301 or something if you just put in Brandon Sanderson 301 in YouTube you'll get it and he has a whole set of rules for how we build magic systems and how magic works and in order for them to 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 work and he's another one who's like we got to bring in some some 
some rules and some parameters and some costs and what we can do and what we can't do and make those things clear so that make them matter and make them matter so that you do not get to cheat as a writer and have things happen that couldn't and i think it's the same way with with the whole winds and and tides and heat and stuff as well if you know how your planet is going to react if you know how your magic system is going to act then you can rely on that and spend the time on characters and action and stuff like that and when you were talking about brandon sanderson's magic system rules it made me think of D &D again like Uh how do you know i can't just walk up and slay the dragon well that's right. Because I can judge how much you might be able to possibly do, and I can judge how much the dragon might be able to possibly take, and we can determine that because rules. Interesting. So given that, and given that The Expanse started as an RPG. Right. And that clearly it matters to N.K. Jemison, and, and I have not downloaded the workbook or done the exercises yet, but I do recommend always checking that out because they're super cool. Uh, and Masterclass does really high-class workbooks. Um, Good to know. The Gaiman class and its workbook are st- outstanding. Um, you could just do all the exercises in an, in a, one of these for, for camp in July. How about that? Maybe I'll do that. I'll do all Ooh. the exercises uh, in one of these for camp. Hey, hey. And a little camp. Anyway, so given that it started as an RPG, do you think that, like, playing RPGs, whether it's D&D or Warhammer 40K, like my child plays, or any of the others, do you think that would make you intuitively better at world building? Because you've had so much practice? I mean, that's how we got into D&D, right? Like our writer friends said, this will make you a better writer. And we're like, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's my D&D origin story right there. Um I think so, because I'm doing more thinking about what what are the other characters doing when my character's not looking, and what is the rest of the world doing when my character's not there? Yeah. So we're both going to need those uh, suspect boards where you have pictures and red string everywhere. Yes. For every book we ever write, like, meanwhile, right. Yeah, I think so. And then on the other hand, I worry that something like D&D is so massive. Yeah. That it, and influential, that I worry that if you vary from it, you will, your readers will not be, be able to suspend disbelief, if that makes sense. Yes. If you're writing Because you dragon, broke the rules. You broke the rules. If you're writing a book with dragons in it, and your dragons don't act the way they do in D&D, they don't have... You know, breath weapons. Breath weapons or legendary powers or... Layers. Come in different colors or whatever, right? Right. Then they're going to say, These, this is not how dragons work. Uh, and, and I think in science fiction and fantasy, there's those behemoths. I mentioned Lord of the Rings earlier, and I think Lord of the Rings is one. You know, Lord of the Rings has has elves and orcs. So everybody has elves and orcs. Right. Um, and doing something different than that has some, some benefits, I guess, because new, but also some dangers. And N.K. Jemisin is a good example of somebody who is brave enough to I think write her her own stories her own ways and she's yes. not not playing by the old boy's rules because she's not an old boy um, and furthermore as an aside I was so astounded in the like, introduction to her, her master class or like they show her winning the Hugo yes and I'm like they showed her winning it once come on let's right? you know like this let's is do a cool class. montage of every time every time she wins it babe yeah she won it like three times in a row yeah so yeah it's like you know give her some some credit man she's just it's not a one-off she's she's a boss at this but anyway right that's enough of my like bitching. makes an animated gif of <laughs> her just accepting statues <laughs> and then i'll take this ah and just then put another statue every time like armloads of mm-hmm. them yeah mm-hmm. That'd be great. So anyway, but so awesome. so yeah, there's, I think there's this this push pull between 
the same people are playing RPGs that are reading fantasy books, probably. Probably. There's there's a big overlap in that Venn diagram. Uh, and so I think it's like dangers and, and benefits both. On the one hand, you can expect your readers to understand dragons. And on the other hand, if you stray, they're going to get you. And like, I'm sure that the big, like this, these, the Epstein drives in the yes. expanse. Yeah. This is how we're moving from planet to planet and how fast we can go. Right. And there's this whole thing on how ships work, you know, um, and lots of the books that I like just kind of blip over that. They're like, oh, we're down in engineering and, you know, we're going to yeah. go X fast because we have this super, super speedy drive. And just push awesome. the button. And it's off we go. Send the engineer down there to fix it. Okay, he fixed it now. We're good. Um, yeah. But yeah. I, so I worry about writing because I write like, what are the rules? And if I break them, what is the cost? And uh, because I am a, a girly type person. Um, are people going to be harder on me if I get this wrong? Because I have fallen victim to the how much does a bullet weigh people before. Right. Uh, and then you're stuck forever. Yeah. Justifying Yeah. And I'm bullet not, interested, stuff. not interested in it. Not interested in it. So, yeah. So I worry about that. So, so what, what's, a, what's a person to do? Do you just jump in? Do it anyway? Read I more? I mean, you can always edit how much the bullet weighed later. Here's the thing I've been thinking, and N.K. Jemison's stuff only made me think it more. As she talked about the elements of world building um, and the ways to make your people and have power dynamics and those kind of things. Um, at my work, I have been doing a lot of things we call deliberative conversations, and they use these issue guides from national issues forums. And the issue guides always have... Um, three approaches, three options for solving a big societal problem. And then they talk about the actions and trade-offs you could take if you're valuing safety when you try to solve a problem or you're valuing freedom when you try to solve the problem for society. And I feel like issue guides for any fictional world are really an important part of world building for me now in my head. Because like any ideas I have about the world, who are those other people out there in the world who have other ideas and what do they value? What are their experiences that lead them to value different things than me? I don't know. You, you know what? You could start a consulting business doing this for aspiring writers who... who... I can help them hold deliberative conversations yeah, among their characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you, they could like, call into you know, Zoom consultations with you at... $150 an hour, like any good. Counselor. Right. Any good and consultant. Yes. Any good consultant and discuss things. And then you could use your excellent coaching skills and deliberative conversation skills to ask. Yes. Them, well, how do the Martians feel about that? Or how might their viewpoint differ than, than this? Or how has, how who's not at that, the table? Who have we table? not brought to the table in this story? That's right. And, and how, what, what viewpoint are they going to add? Or how does that, change what what results we might choose to aspire to or, or what yeah what are the unintended consequences of this choice your characters are making see i'm telling you lissa this, this is a is thing a money maker oh no for i you. hear it yeah i mean i don't think it's a money maker but it's, oh, a, no, no, it's a fun no, 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 project no, no, no. you need to be buying me a private island and so you need to get out there and work for it girl so i expect you to to be opening this business soon and and uh i'll make certificates for people mm -hmm. maybe That'd you should write um, <laughs> deliberative framework on your editing guidelines. Deliberative framework. I will have to put that on so my that you can right now see where the tensions are among various various groups of people in your where the power dynamics and tensions are. It's a thing. I'm writing it down. Yeah, right next to commas. It's right all next related. to commas. Oh, oh please. <laughs> I just, I love commas, and I feel like the more commas you have, the happier you are. Yeah. Um, and if you just, you'll bring it's them true in, in my the shed load, I will take them all. And then I do tend to feed things through, like, grammar checkers later. And if the grammar checker is insistent that I may not have my comma, then I will consider giving up a comma. But I love them all. Yeah. So. They're the best. They're like breathing, man. So... They give you space to breathe while reading the they, work aloud. They are. They are There's, literally like breathing. They are like breathing. And I've been assured that that is not true 
by grammarians and that that is not what commas are for, but I don't care. So yeah, it's fine. Some people why feel you're about the their M dashes this way, and I just feel like if I can't have my fragments and my commas, then I'm just not, not happy. So, it's important yeah. to be happy and have commas. There you go. So are we going to have a like a girls weekend away where we watch the entire TV series of The Expanse? I, okay, so I had season one checked out from my library, and uh, I had it for three weeks, and there were other people waiting on hold for it, and I sat it next to my DVD player the whole three weeks, and every once in a while, I would, like, look at the back and be like, oh, well, which guy is Jim, and which guy is uh, the detective, and I don't really know if I want my people to look like this in my head, and I would just glance at it for a second and think about it and put it back down, and so maybe not. Well, maybe you should read. Maybe we should read them all first. Maybe and then watch the TV series. They seem to correspond to the books a little because when I looked at the back of season four at the library, it looked like it was roughly corresponding to the book that I was about to read. I mean, they're all okay. really vague so that they don't have spoilers, but okay. Mostly, I just want to keep reading them. They're good. They're good. Okay. Well, you know, and I have this long car trip coming up. I can just maybe get them all on audio and just sit over in my corner of the car with uh, one of our dogs. And uh, we still just need one, though, because the audiobooks are like 20 hours long. I know, they're like 20 hours long. I was like, what? You told me that. And I was, wow. It's how I keep doing my weekends when my kids are at their dad's. I just get an expanse audiobook. And then I'm like, oh, you're back. My still, son could whip through them all because, like, he listened to the 20-hour audiobook of Foundryside in a day and a half. Yeah, that book's good. Yeah. 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 So, <sighs> so many good books in the world. <sighs> and we got to read them all. Got to yeah. read them all. Got to read them all. Yeah. I'm just so far behind. It's all best. right. Woo, so speaking of reading books, uh, what should we read next time? What do we owe? We owe our listeners that we finish Wizard of Earthsea and Book of Three and talk about them. This in which we will do. And already in my head, they're interesting in conjunction with each other. And in um, conjunction with what we just talked about. And yeah. 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 Right? Because now we're looking at the Jemison and how to do sci-fi fantasy world building. And we'll go back to these classics and see if her modern advice holds up to these historical ones. There you go all interconnected we're so smart we're so smart well you're so smart and i say good job lasalle she's so smart this was your idea for today to gently include me even though i'm like 80 hours into my expanse series (laughs) well and for you to include me even though i'm only a little more than halfway through book one and not spending my time reading what i'm supposed to read and instead skiving off and reading the expanse series instead this is what we do for each other we're amazing we're enablers. We are reading enablers. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Um, listeners, thank you for listening to the Book Evangelist podcast. Please remember to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your comments and, of course, your book recommendations to thebookevangelist at gmail.com. Oh,